You're listening to Tatiana is Everyone, an Orphan Black podcast. I'm your host, Chris. And I'm Stephanie. And this episode, while it contains spoilers for the episode which we are talking about, does not contain any spoilers for future episodes of Orphan Black. Maybe for other shows, but not for Orphan Black. Not for Orphan Black. Tons of spoilers for Buffy the Vampire Slayer, because we talk about that all the time, but not for Orphan Black. And what are we talking about today? We are talking about Transitory Sacrifices of Crisis, episode 302. Yes. And this quote also comes from Eisenhower's farewell speech. Apparently all of the episode titles this season are, we had a listener who sent us a link to a an article that talked about that. Correct? Yes, I think it was a TV Guide article. So thank you to the listener who sent us that. It's hard to keep up with. There was a bunch of articles coming out before the show came, started airing, so it was hard to keep up with everything. Right. And to some extent, I was I was trying to not read too much. Right. Me too. Obviously. I didn't read any of them. <laughs> I read, I think, one or two things. But Well, you read the interview with, with Evelyn Brochu. But did you see that picture, Chris? Correction, you, you looked at the picture. <laughs> For the interview with Evelyn Brochu from, from Max and them. That is true. It was clickbait is what it was. <laughs> it worked. It worked for me. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> but yes, there was there was an article where they established that all the quotes are from Eisenhower's farewell speech. I can't talk. I'm so upset I can't talk, Stephanie. But I think that since all of the quotations, all of the, excuse me, all of the episode titles this season are quotations from the farewell address, we will probably take an episode in the future to talk about Eisenhower's farewell address rather than trying to break it up individually each week because it's part of a coherent, you know, speech that he gave. So it's a lot of parsing. It's a lot of parsing. And I don't want to, you know, just read huge chunks of him talking every week. So we'll save that for a later date and per- persist on with, with talking about this particular episode, which was so upsetting, Chris. Like, like we mentioned in our short episode, there were, there were high, 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 high moments. I don't know why I felt like I had to say that so many times, but I did. <laughs> high moments. But, Hello, moments. <laughs> but <laughs> howdy! But so many. Stress- or are they so- on Allison's pills? Oh, well, good point. Good point. <laughs> they might be. <laughs> but so many stressful, upsetting moments. Like from the beginning, upsetting. So upsetting. So upsetting. Why show? Why? Because the entire teaser. Well, I guess we had that first initial scene with Dr. Nealon showing us things that we'd already seen before. So that wasn't particularly upsetting, except for the fact that Dr. Nealon was there and he's just creepy. So he's generally upsetting, I guess. Thoughts on Dr. Nealon? Just what you said. Okay, that's what I thought. He's, okay. He's upsetting. I didn't want to speak for you. Please do. <laughs> <laughs> but then, but then, but then... But then we had that. That's a lot about then. Stuff. Well, it was a very upsetting scene between we got names this week: Rudy and Seth, aka Scarface and Mustache, and that poor young woman. Man, I just uh, okay. First of all, I misidentified because we only caught a glimpse of her in the promo stuff, and I thought it might be Gracie, mm. and it wasn't. So I guess that's good, but it's not good for this poor young woman who didn't know what she was getting into. No. And I was immediately, I had two moments this the, in the in this episode where I thought, ah, I was right. <laughs> <laughs> 
Because, as I mentioned last week, I felt like there was definitely some homoerotic tension between the two guys when when Seth came to free Rudy from Marin Bowles's house and and it looked to me like they might kiss and i was reminded because we got a a tweet in response to that from a listener who was saying i'm trying to find her twitter name is i'm kind of a twatter i believe but i don't know what her screen name is do you know twatter is her screen name i was gonna say I think there we is. go who tweeted and said oh i totally thought scarface and porn stash were gonna make out i still think they at least do three ways and how right was she Weirdly right. Weirdly right, though. Even but when she said that, though, I thought it would be less less creepy than what we got. Interesting. Yeah, I had hope. The hope has been dashed. And and also, I have a question for you. Okay. Your your moments that you got to say, ha! I was right. Should we rename those gloatments? Okay. Um, I'll t- go ahead and say what my other gloatment was <laughs> when when uh, when Sarah said that Delphine was off somewhere. I was like, "Ha! She's not going to be in this episode." I called it <laughs> gloatment. That's my gloatment. Gloatment one, the weird sex scene. That's not. That's no. I don't want that to be a gloatment. That disturbing scene. I don't want that to be a gloatment for me. But I was right. <laughs> you need to be right. Trumps your your squickedness apparently Ugh. but so disturbing chris i know i was there yeah Ugh. i'm so i'm so upset on behalf of that young woman yes me too me too so should we i guess we, maybe we should go ahead and talk about the seth and rudy do we want to start with them or do we want to save them for later let's let's go ahead and get that get out of that the out way. of the way okay let me scrub my brain <laughs> throughout the course of the episode well we definitely got a better sense of their dynamic in this episode, since they were together, we had Rudy, aka Scarface, very much the alpha, where Seth was the beta. Which is a little surprising to me, given what we saw of Rudy in the end of season two. I, I agree. Because he was acting all wacky crazy, but he's apparently the saner one. Yeah. Or something, because I- Seth was glitching. I'm finger quoting glitching. Mm-hmm. But I believe that is the term they used at one point. Yes, that is what Rudy called it. Yeah, I feel, feel like they might have tinkered with his character a bit between end of season two and what we see here, because he just, he seems a lot more together. But at the same time, it doesn't discount what they did, because that could just be him trying to psych out Sarah. Hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. In my mind. But let's let's make this clear. He is obviously not a well individual. No, no, no. <laughs> what was with the... X's over the eyes and blood. Oh, I don't. Was it blood or was it paint? Oh, they maybe were it was in Felix's loft. Oh, good point. Because what he saw, he was looking through Felix's place. He oh, saw the Sarah's portrait painting. of Sarah from when she had supposedly died, mm-hmm. and Felix had put red X's over her eyes, apparently to symbolize her death. Good point. Good point. Because that's what the that's the last thing we see him looking at before we right. see him again. You're so. right. So, what do we think that was symbolizing for him? Freaking Sarah the hell out? I don't know. Do, do we think he aspires to be like Sarah? One wonders, because they did have that conversation, that weird conversation last week, about how she was made of the good stuff. Right. That combined with the glitching might explain why they are looking for Lita clones, I guess. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and we got a clear sense of what they were after. They were after the tissue samples that they thought Duncan had, which I don't think he did have. I don't get the impression that he did, but maybe he did. 
I mean, we never heard about it, but that doesn't mean one thing or the other necessarily. Correct. So, and of course, we don't know if the caster clones are operating on factual evidence or just what they're told. Yeah. But now I'm going into like a secondary layer of conspiracy theory. Right. Right. Because you can't tell. Well, there does seem to be a separation between Dyad and the military project because Delphine last episode talked about how Castor was just a myth. So it seems like while Castor had or a sense had been just or a myth. had been just a myth. But we get a sense that Castor had a sense of Dyad because Rudy had that information, but not necessarily the other way round until very recently. So Dyad knew about the fact that the Duncans had destroyed the original genomes and, and all of that thing, all that stuff when they, when Leaky tried to order their execution. So maybe Castor doesn't have that information about what happened to all of that research that the Duncans had. It's but just a possibility. I'm just nodding because I, I don't know anymore. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was just floating it as a possibility that they, they don't necessarily have that information about what happened to the Duncans because of the divide between the two projects. Uh-huh. That's fair. So we see that, you know, Paul tries to call them back in, gives them extraction orders, but Rudy defies the extraction orders and goes to Felix's loft, saying that they're going to complete the mission. Did they say at what point what their mission was exactly? No, unless it is just trying to retrieve Duncan's information. Duncan's that they information? Because th that was the same thing that Seth was asking Mrs. S last week, right? He was talking about, you know, Duncan was here. Do you have his information? Like, you know, where's his research? And she tells him, I think, at Dyad. So I didn't think in this episode that they ever said specifically, you took us here to do that. So I, I'm, I'm guessing they were trying to get the stuff, the research from from Duncan. One would assume. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I need to watch the episode again before I say anything more definitive. <laughs> oh, that's fine. That's fine. But just, I'm just from your recollection right now, because we're talking about it right now. No, no, I know. I'm just... But you're uncertain. I'm just clamoring okay. here is what I'm doing. Okay. Yes, we've only seen the episode once still, so this is still a first impressions type of conversation. It was interesting. We rewatched episode one, 301, before watching 302 tonight, and... There was stuff that I went, oh, <laughs> okay, because it made more sense having seen the entire thing. So, yes, ask me again at the end of the season <laughs> when it probably won't be relevant anymore. Okay, okay, that's fair. <laughs> I will say when we saw Rudy come into Felix's loft and we realized it was Felix's loft, I think it, it went to like a commercial break pretty soon after that. And I remember turning to you and saying, are they going to die soon? I would really like for them to die soon. <laughs> <laughs> I got half my wish. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, because my, my response to you was, was probably not soon enough for you. <laughs> One of them. <laughs> so I was half right. <laughs> You're half right. You're half right. Because, oh my gosh, that scene, that scene. Well, both of those scenes, the intercut scenes where Rudy had Kira and was trying to get information out of Sarah. <laughs> That was so upsetting, was so upsetting. and now, now I'm like, that dude's toast. Because you Kira, don't do that to you Kira. You do not do that to Kira. And then when Cal came in to the bottom part of the apartment building and is confronting Rudy, I or yeah, Seth, excuse me, is confronting Seth. I, I, I was just immediately, please don't, 
please don't kill Cal. Like, please don't kill Cal here. She actually said that. Yes. I was like, please do not kill Cal here. I just had the worst feeling when he showed up there. Before even, you know, Rudy came down with a gun, I just had a really bad feeling. So I was very pleased that they didn't kill Cal. But oh my gosh, I feel like I did not breathe for most of that scene where Seth was uh, on the ground, you know, dying and Rudy was bending over him and talking to him. Oh. Yeah, I mean, I was barely breathing during that scene, too. It was, again, stressful. This whole thing is just stressful. Which I <laughs> I recall saying a lot last season, too. <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting, though, because we were talking in one of the commercial breaks that I feel like the the pacing or the tension of this season is different from last season. I think there is a lot more sort of... There are lulls in the anxiety this season so far. Because, yeah, last season starts off, Sarah's literally running for her life. You know, there's stuff like that. And it just, it stays like that basically the entire episode. I think there are, there are a couple lulls too. There's, you know, Cosima and Delphine and stuff and where it's, you know, calmer, quieter. Right. Still. <laughs> but yeah, this, this week and last week, there are moments of extreme – it's not so much moments, it's storylines. It's divided up by storyline because Sarah's storyline has been weirdly not stressful. Until the Kira thing this episode. <laughs> yes, yes, obviously. But for Sarah, this is sort of a, a prolonged calmness. Although, I mean, last week she tried to kill a dude. Yeah. So. <laughs> Maybe I should just take this back. But comparatively, but <laughs> though – yeah, because like, beginning of last episode, there was a couple scenes she and Felix were just hanging out by the river, drinking some beer or something. So, and, you know, she had the, the happy good here family time playing floor hockey. So I do feel like Sarah has gotten a bit of a breather these first Reprieve. couple of episodes, even though there still have been some very stressful moments for her in them. But comparatively, it feels calmer for her. Because, like, there's that, but then there's the stuff with Mrs. S, where Mrs. S is getting beaten up, and then Sarah's leaving, and I'm I'm worried about Mrs. S, even though Felix is taking good care of her, but we will have, we'll get to that. <laughs> we'll get to that. But, yeah, I mean, Cosima's storyline has been pretty calm, too, aside from the heartbreak last week. But, uh, Helena. Oh, Helena. That just, every time they cut to Helena, it, it stresses me the heck yeah. out. Yeah. So yeah, I feel like there's not quite as much sustained tension in these first few episodes as there were in seasons one or two. But just the, moments that nearly give you heart attacks. Yes, the, but the, but the tension it just it comes in these bursts, and you think, oh my god, and then they pull back, and I'm okay, kind of okay, <laughs> relatively okay, except for the, like the stress crying that you're still doing, <laughs> and it feels a little bit like you ran a marathon because your heart's doing crazy things from all the stress. Maybe that's just me. Maybe I'm too invested. Hmm. So so we have Seth who's dead. We have Rudy who has run off without killing Cal. Thank goodness. I kind of, this was an interesting moment, I thought, where Cal was confronting Seth. And at first, you know, Cal's trying to, he realizes that Seth is distracted. So he picks up that pipe to hit him. And then he realizes that there's just something really wrong with Seth. And he just kind of pushes him over. And Which I thought was interesting, because yeah. Seth had a knife. He, yeah, he did. And I was a little worried, but then when Seth, when Seth hit the ground, he wasn't holding the knife anymore, yeah. so maybe he dropped it. So I was a little worried that Cal was going to get cut up or something. But Well, and I was still wondering if 
Cal would still hit him. So I thought it was an interesting character moment that Cal took the path of sort of least violence. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, this this guy's clearly disabled. I don't need to hit him right now. So I thought that was an interesting moment. Right. Of course, we found out this episode, too, that Cal really was involved with the military or with yeah. weapon yeah. development or something. Yeah. So it is interesting that he went pacifist with Seth. Even though he did punch him at first. That's true. Although... <laughs> He hit him, and I'm, I I kid you not, my thought was, don't stop there, Cal. (laughs) But then that's because I've seen what they've done before, so I I know that they're credible threats. But yeah, that was kind of interesting as a whole. But then I was also concerned, because then Cal picked up the knife, and he's standing there over him with a knife and a pipe, and he's just kind of standing there. And I'm like, run, you dummy! (laughs) Because Colonel Mustard's going to come in at any moment. (laughs) (laughs) You're not wrong. You're not wrong. <laughs> that was a clue joke for anybody who didn't get it. <laughs> well, we have international listeners. If you don't know the game Clue, look it up. <laughs> or the movie. Or the movie. Great movie. Watch the movie. <laughs> it is a good movie. But to finish off the, the caster clones, we, we got another glimpse of Mark. We didn't see him last episode, but we saw both Mark and Gracie here. And we saw that he had the same double horse head tattoo. Does that mean that John and Graham are big fat liars again? Yes. Okay. I'm going to say yes. Okay. Because I wasn't sure if that just indicated he was trying to remove his ties to the military and not necessarily that he knew about the fact that there were other versions of him. But then why would he do it now? Yeah, exactly. Because he he went AWOL long ago, it seems like. Although it couldn't have been that long. I don't know. I don't know. But but not within, like, the past couple of days, obviously. He's oh, been right, with the right, Prometheans right. for a while. Yes, true. So I think... That this, was horrifying, by the it way. It was horrifying. And they just kept that, that close-up on his flesh burning. Thank you for that. <laughs> but I think this means that John and Graham are once again big fat liars. When it serves them, yes, yes, they are. It's also possible they changed their mind, and maybe they were planning to not have him know, but then decided... It might be more interesting yeah. if we did have him know. Yeah. So it's possible it's their mind changers instead of big fat liars. But I'm going to go with big fat liars right now because <laughs> we have evidence of such. Maybe they're, you know, they're they're grifters like Sarah. When it suits them, they will lie. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. It Fair serves enough. their purpose. <laughs> so we've already sort of referenced Cal. Do we want to want to go ahead and talk about him? Yes. He's so handsome. <laughs> he is. He's. I find him very attractive. And Sarah called him a lumberjack. A lumberjack. Shout out to Clone Club. I was going to say, the little little tip of the hat to, to the fandom. Mm-hmm. Shout out to Clone Club. But I love that he, he got a house for them and was like, hey, we're, you know, we can... Hey, I went shopping at Ikea. Yeah, I went shopping at Ikea. I love that comment that he made to Kara about <laughs> how it got wet in the... In oh, I got it for me, but then, it, <laughs> then I brought it home in the rain and it shrank. <laughs> So maybe you can have it. <laughs> I thought that was super adorable. It I is. love Cal as a dad. He's just... He's oh. like an adorable nerdy dad. Yes. I kind of want to hug him. Mm-hmm. But he's offering, you know, this alternative for Sarah and maybe having a nice little normal nuclear family. And not that there's anything wrong with Felix and Mrs. S, but uh, maybe an alternative to the crazy life that she's been living. But of course, that can never happen. That can never be on this show. <laughs> 
<laughs> As I stress cry some more. Hopefully. Hopefully one day. But I thought that scene that we got between Cal and Paul was super interesting. It was. It really, really was. Two handsome men arguing. <laughs> Well, and and I want to I want to give a little a little applause to Dylan Bruce. I thought he was great in that scene. Yes, he's been especially in the earlier scenes. There wasn't a whole lot for him to do, but I liked the emotional progression we saw from Paul in that scene, where he comes at it as very much you think it's going to be Terminator Paul and holy hell, is he going to kill Cal? Is he going to try to take Kira? I was worried Kira was there, and mm. he might try to do something against Kira. I was worried about that at first when Cal heard the noise outside. Right, yeah. And I was like, don't, don't do that, Cal. <laughs> Especially if Kara's there. Yeah. But. Especially when I saw he left the door open, like, Cal. Amateur. Amateur. <laughs> but yeah, I, I did like that, that whole conversation they had and, and like, that was supposed to buy Sarah time. Why is she still here? And, and Cal's just kind of like, have you met the Sarah? <laughs> Because, like, really, have you? But that was, I feel like, a real window into Paul's motivation, because we had yes. a, a lot of questions at the end of season two. That is that is a good point, because, yeah, you didn't know if he was doing it for himself, you didn't know if it was that he was doing it for his job, or if he did genuinely care about Sarah. And I think he really does. I think he really does care about Sarah. Good to know. Good to know. I'm curious to see how Paul will pop up this season, because he wasn't in last episode. He wasn't in the premiere, but played a small but important role in this episode. Mm -hmm. It feels like we'll maybe see more of him since we're switching into military gear, which I know I've said before, but, but I still we think it's see. true. Do you think that what we saw of the military project going on, are they supposed to be in Afghanistan? I don't know. Okay. Yeah, it did look deserty. So I'm guessing Afghanistan. But why? Why would they be there? I'm not sure. I'm why not would sure. they have a research facility there? I don't know. But if anybody listening has any strong reason to believe otherwise that there's someplace else, please let us know. I have so many questions about that storyline. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, but what the hell are they doing? <laughs> well, I'm curious if Paul's going to end up there or if he's going to stick around in Clone Ronto or if he's going to ship out over to wherever they are right now. Right. <sighs> I don't know. But I was sad to see Cal go. I mean, I that goodbye scene. Chris is going to start crying again. I think I am. <laughs> I did. That was that was the scene that made me cry. Like all the stress tears turned into just like emotional tears and and were streaming down my face. But I'm I'm like I'm glad to see I, th I feel like Sarah made the right decision after what happened to send Kira away someplace away from her. Mm -hmm. and At least until things are more settled. Right. And I'm glad that Cal's, you know, she's got her dad and Cal's going to take care of her and she likes Cal and all of that. But I'm sad to see Cal go. I like Cal. And we got that interesting nugget of information about him. Well, that's what I was going to say, though. Like, now that we know that about Cal, that maybe what he said to Sarah wasn't exactly true... Do we still really trust Cal? I do. I mostly trust him, but I'm still worried just because I trust his intentions toward Kira and I think that's yes, that's okay. the most important part. And I don't think he's I and I trust his intentions toward Sarah. Does he have some things that he is hiding? Yes. I mean clearly because he had all the stuff ready to go on the land. Right. 
in case he needed to, which now he is, which I guess is my only concern, because Kira's with him now. Right. And without Sarah. Right. But I do trust him for his intentions toward both Sarah Sarah and Kira, and that's that's enough for me right now. That's fair. Yeah. I mean, I I also mostly feel that way, but then it's just like this lingering kernel of worry, Mm -hmm. because I'm worried about everybody now. Yeah. We're already at that point in the season. We were there before, let's be honest, but. Oh, Chris is crying. <laughs> not, not actually, but I maybe, know. maybe soon. She know. had a little bit of crying going on when we, when we started recording here. I think she's calmed down a bit, but a little. It's still there's still like the little, the little twitchy feeling behind your eyes. Aww. I might start crying at any minute. Okay, <laughs> okay. Thank you for the warning. Don't freak out. It's just raining on my face. <laughs> so let's talk about Miss Sarah. And her quest to try to find Helena. I'm so happy that she's so determined. Even though she hasn't made a whole lot of progress, I'm very glad that both last episode and this episode, her driving storyline has been, I need to help my sister. I am glad about it too. Because the big thing that we've known about Sarah the entire series is Sarah's pretty single-minded. And I'm glad that the single-mindedness has turned to this. Because there's that moment in season two when I think the most upset we've ever gotten at Sarah was her leaving Helena to her own devices at with the police. And we're all like, Sarah, no, don't leave poor Helena there. But that was Sarah being single-minded about Felix. Duncan yeah. and Felix. And so yeah, I'm I'm glad that that sort of singular focus has has honed in on must must protect Helena. And in her quest, we see her interact with Art again. I was happy to see Art, I must say. Yes. Mm-hmm. So see, Stephanie does like Art. <laughs> Stephanie <laughs> you likes knew Art. I was going to do it. I know. I know. Stephanie likes Art. But I don't know, because he makes that... Doesn't he say something to, to her at the end of that scene where he says, I don't want to see your face again or something like that? He says, if you pull something like that, I never want to see your face again. Okay. Okay, because I don't want him, which I understand. That was that was some BS of Sarah to pull. He could get in some real trouble. And, you know, posing as Beth again. Exactly. It's a sore point. Yes, exactly. So I understand where he was coming from, but I, I don't want to think of the idea of Art cutting her off completely. I, I, I like it when they team up together. Yes. Sarah and Art. Who called who? I can't remember now. Art called Sarah. That's what I was thinking. Because a woman came in with this complaint against these guys, and he recognized that they looked right. like Mark. Okay, yes. And so he called her saying, what the hell? I appreciate that Art called Sarah. Yeah, me too. Me too. I think he probably just thought that was the most logical place to start as a detective, but I, I, I like that we still see them in contact with each other. Right. Plus, I mean, Sarah owes him. Yes. A little little help now and then i would think yeah yeah but it was it was kind of fun to see her switch back into beth child's accent if nothing else this episode but when she pulled that i just thought oh it's smart but yeah sore it's smart but it hurts sore point with art sore point indeed yeah sarah also goes reluctantly but eventually goes to mrs s for some help with finding helena and that scene wasn't quite as heartbreaking as last week's episode, but I just want I just want to give Mrs. S a big hug. 
But gently, she has I three know. cracked three ribs. Cracked ribs. Three cracked ribs, and Felix thinks she's concussed because she's being unusually straightforward. <laughs> <laughs> I did like that line a lot. I did too. But I, uh, I just loved Felix being such a sweet caretaker of her. Like the fact that he said that to Sarah, like be nice to her. She's got this, these many injuries going on. But that is sort of that's what Felix has always done. Yes, I know, and I, I just I love him for it. Yes, I love him dearly for it. But it was especially hard to see her in this episode because not only was she physically defeated by Seth, but she just feels mentally defeated as well. Because, you know, I liked that she made that comment about the fact that she made that huge bad choice that she made where she gave Helena to Project Castor, thinking that it would keep Sarah and Kira safe. And obviously it hasn't. Mm -hmm. Like, if anything is going to be emotionally just defeat her completely it's feeling like she hasn't kept sarah and kira safe mm. see <laughs> mrs s why do you gotta say it like that <laughs> mrs s <laughs> oh but gentle it, gentle hugs to mrs s yeah mm. but i just both last episode this episode i just oh i want to give her a hug a gentle gentle hug me too but sarah did ultimately take her advice which again i think was the right choice I hope so. Mm-hmm. I hope so. Because that scene, oh, when he had Kira, oh, Tatiana was so good at that scene. That dude is toast. I hope so. He better be dead. I would like for it to be sued. My, my saying Seth was toast last week, that happened. That happened. It did. It did. Toast. Toast the the caster clones, Chris. Just keep every time toasting just, them like with champagne. No, just keep saying that guy is toast whenever that dude they're is unseen. Toast. There we go. Whenever they're unseen on the screen, let's let's make it happen. We're gonna will it into existence. <laughs> you know they filmed this month ago, right? <laughs> Shh. Oh, oh, sorry. <laughs> Fuel my delusion <laughs> that I have any bad. power in this situation. <laughs> and now Stephanie's. Fake stress cry. Yeah. So let's get the last upsetting storyline out of the way. Let's talk about poor Helena. Mm. Oh my god. Oh my god. They were waterboarding They her. were waterboarding her. That's not okay, you guys. That is not, that is epically not okay. And like, why? Why? Why doing all the stress tests on, on Helena? The, on the Leah clones. And like, why? Why? The only thing I can think is that the major purpose behind the clone project was some sort of super soldier. And so they're testing the Lita clones to see if they have built-in withstanding distress tests. Or it could be we see that Seth is glitching, so maybe they're testing Lita clones to see if they have the same type of defect as the caster clones. Because clearly Rudy isn't particularly of sound mind either. But he did fine on the stress test. Hmm. Yeah, they had the weird headset with the uh, questions and the monitoring. The Can I vitals. just say, I would do terrible. <laughs> I was sitting there trying to guess the answers. I was like, true, false, damn it. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, I was sitting there thinking, could you please repeat the question? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I need to like hear that again and maybe have it written down. Uh huh. And then I'd be fine. But I forget what those are called, but I am terrible terrible at those types of logic questions i just what <laughs> what tr- all doctors are rich uh, true <laughs> i think that one was true but i just oh 
I was doing really poorly on those. So I, I feel you, Seth, <laughs> on that regard. <laughs> oh, God. I don't feel you in any other regard, but that you're, you're struggling with those questions. I, well, I would have taken Helene's approach, probably. <laughs> what are these mangoes? <laughs> oh, Pupak. <laughs> I'm probably mispronouncing that. I'm sorry. So we met the doctor who seems to be in charge of all of these horrible stress tests, Dr. Virginia Cody. Do we think that that's the mother that Rudy referred to when he asked Paul where the orders were coming from? Based on information we have, yes. So, okay, so let me get, let me get this straight. We have a bunch of military guys running around and a scientist type lady that they're calling mother. Where is their, their part demon, part human super soldier named Adam? I do not know. Because if that's the case, everything's going to be okay. A tiny blonde lady we're gonna, is going to come along and kick everybody's ass. Her name is Helena. <laughs> Touche. <laughs> Stephanie is referring to Buffy. <laughs> but she, of course, you know, she plies Helena with food. I, she was listening. I think she heard the mangoes talk. She knew the tack to take. And I agree. But we see her... Uh, just like the Polythians tried to pull, saying, you know, your family, they abandoned you. We care about you. I care about you. I appreciate that Helena was like, yeah, I don't believe, believe you. you. And I hope that I hope that holds. Me too. I'm a little worried that it might not, but I'm glad that Helena at least feels that way right now. But especially since Sarah left her behind not that long ago on that road trip, I, I just I really hope that her belief in Sarah not deserting her holds fast. They've danced since then, so I'm I'm hoping that Helena remembers that, that she was so welcomed into that celebration. I hope. I hope, I hope, I hope. All fingers and toes crossed. <laughs> I thought I thought Tatiana Mazzani was also really good in the in the torture scenes, which sounds terrible, but... But she's always really good I at those. I know, she's always really good at those. They're so horrifying, but but you're so... like They're affecting. Yes. They're incredibly affecting, and ugh. And we found out that Helena is pregnant. I know I personally kind of had a question at the end of season two. Well, is she actually going to be pregnant, or is the implantation not going to take? But she is pregnant. Yep. And I guess it's a good thing, because it made them stop waterboarding, waterboarding her. her. But it, I feel like that just makes her even more of an interesting subject to them, and I that know. makes me worried. I know, me too, but at least it's buying time, I guess, is my immediate thought, if nothing else. But yeah, I'm worried. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. I'm worried. <laughs> Stress crying. <laughs> <laughs> but I just, I'm not sure at all where they're going with that storyline. I don't know either. I'm freaking out just thinking about it. <laughs> so do you want to move on to something happier? Or do you have other Helena feelings? I don't know that I do. Just mangoes. Just mangoes. <laughs> <laughs> so moving on to something happier, we have Allison and Donnie, who just cracked me up. Cracked me up. Here, fist me. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> Donnie, that is not the expression you're looking for. Fist bump. 
That's a thing. That's a thing. Well, that's the thing that you wanted her to do. Fisting is a thing, but that's not what you wanted her to do. Well, I shouldn't. I shouldn't assume anything. <laughs> not on the soccer. Not field. on the soccer not field. Not on the soccer field, <laughs> I like that they used that same little set where we first saw Sarah and Allison interact. They used the, the shed. little shed again yeah. for illegal dealings. And I liked there in during the commercials there was the you know a closer look at Orvin Black and they were focusing on the the Donnie on the Donnie and Allison subplot and Christian Brune made the comment about oh they saw it on TV I guess it'll work and I was glad that he made that comment because I was thinking ah oh, this is kind of weeds ish isn't it but it would totally make sense to me since they had that Dexter reference at the end of season two that that might actually be Allison and Donnie's thinking like we saw it on TV it worked for Nancy Botwin we could give it a try apparently the Hendrixes watch a lot of Showtime <laughs> <laughs> hmm. but I'm curious to see where this whole thing is going to go. Hilarity, I feel like, will ensue. But I am a little worried about Allison's sobriety being a drug dealer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, it's just one of those, like, you could tell that they sort of got their their hopes up since they got away with doing stuff before. They're like, hey, we got away with that thing. Why can't we get away with this? And, like, that always happens right before downfall, right? Yeah, it tends to. TV also taught me that, Hendrix is. <laughs> Team Hendrix! <laughs> oh, it's not going to be pretty. It'll be funny, but it won't be pretty. Probably. Allison is just... I, I admire her... Tenacity. I was going to say, tenacity. I admire her tenacity, but sometimes I feel like she does not make the best choices. <laughs> that is true, yes. <laughs> I think That's you a bit of an right understatement, on. but yeah, sometimes Allison doesn't make the best choices. But a lot of the clones have that problem of yep. not making the best choices. Yep. <laughs> so true. But Allison and Donnie were cracking me up, especially Donnie, with his <laughs> trying to act cool. In front of Ramon and asking <laughs> and asking Allison to fist him. <laughs> Christian Brune, please keep being hilarious. But I, I liked how like cute and conspiratorial they got when Allison was like explaining her plan to Donnie. He it was just there was so much I felt like there was so much affection there between the two of them when he was kind of cottoning on to her big scheme about both using the list to get them some income and, like, build a constituency for her to run for the trustee position. He did kind of have this adorable, adoring gaze at yeah, her. It, I, was, it was sweet and weird. It, <laughs> Just it, like the Hendrixes. Yeah. It's, I'm still getting used to seeing so much affection between the two of them, but I like it. It's nice. Yeah. In a weird way. <laughs> like, it's nice, but it f creeps me out a little, Stephanie. <laughs> Well, it's just, it, it's not that it creeps me out, it's that I worry about them, because they're like, hey, you know what would be a great idea? This illegal thing? <laughs> I love you so much. Yeah. Well, I told Let's you- I be criminals. <laughs> I was worried last week that they might be plotting to kill Marcy, so if they're going to do an illegal thing, I guess I would rather they sell drugs? That's fair. Okay. <laughs> Disclaimer, uh, we are not encouraging no, illegal activity. No, no, we are not. We are Just not. televisual illegal activity. <laughs> and then finally, things making me more or less happy this week, we have Cosima. <sighs> <laughs> Sorry, I had a that's, moment. That's Stephanie's Cosima sound. <laughs> <laughs> 
But they addressed the whole matter of why is Cosima getting better? Because it was Felix Wright who asked about the the treatment that she got based on Kira's tooth. If that was suddenly efficacious, I think was the words that Scott used. So they did address that, but they also said that sometimes people get better and science can't really explain it. Mm -hmm. And so they brought up the whole spiritual element to it again, too. They hinted at it last week, but they full on said it this week. So, yeah, who knows? But I feel like, and it might I might be wrong, this might be something I saw in Grey's Anatomy, which wasn't true, but I feel like there's also, because this made me worried, I always worry about Cosima and the illness, there is also the phenomenon of people getting better before they get really, really worse. Mm-hmm. And so I did kind of go, <gasps> I saw that episode of Grey's Anatomy. Okay, it was Grey's Anatomy. <laughs> so that made me go, <gasps> but I have faith. I have faith that Graham will not let John kill Cosima. <laughs> I believe at the C2E2 Orphan Black panel, John did say that Cosima's his favorite clone to direct. Okay, there we go. Thank you. Because he likes Cosima's spirit. I yes. think that's what he what he said. That and how true. do you not like Cosima's spirit? I don't know. I loved her chutzpah when she was meeting with Dr. Nealon when she and Scott were in that room, where he was like, how do you know this about the Castor clones? Are we sharing? No, I'm, I don't think we are. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Cosima. And Cosima and Scott. And Science Cosima, duo. Science duo! I love them so much together. As friends. As friends as friends. <laughs> Remember, I'm still shipping Scott and Felix, if Scott is interested. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure Felix is interested. But... I, I, mean, I know. I know. I know you know. And I'm kidding about the shipping. I'm not really shipping. I'm not opposed to it. There we go. But I'm not rooting for it. Not yet. <laughs> Keep it time. I'm still rooting for Tony to come back and for Felix and Tony. Okay. Like, Scott's on the list of, of good possibilities. <laughs> Potential possibilities. Possibilities. We can just say possibilities. <laughs> but there are there are higher up guys. Okay. Colin's probably at the top of the list, though I feel like that ship has sailed. <laughs> so to speak. <laughs> <laughs> that sticky, sticky ship. <laughs> Slippery. <laughs> There we go. We applied the lube to the hull of the boat, and it's just slipping right away. <laughs> Did I take the t- analogy too far? Probably, but... I don't know. We'll go with it. We'll go with it. You said it, you can't take it back. I know. I know I did. I know I did. But I liked the few Cosima scenes we got in this episode. Not mm-hmm. enough Cosima. I'll say it. Not enough Cosima. <laughs> Not enough Felix. Not enough Helena. I do want more Helena. Mm-hmm. There was sufficient Sarah and sufficient mm-hmm. Allison. I could have done with more Allison, but there was sufficient Allison. Right. She got a, a full lo- storyline in did. there. So. She did. We're, we're not stressed out, freaking out about her quite yet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yes, she got a full, she got a pretty good little story arc there. Mm-hmm. But I could use more of Helena and Cosima and Felix. Because he's a brother, Sestra. I can include him on the clone, clone club list. Absolutely. Absolutely. He's the main character. We didn't check in with Rachel this episode. True. Which made sense. There was that. She's I don't, healing. I don't know how that would have fit in very well with the plot line. So. Right. Especially with Delphine not being in the episode. Mm-hmm. But no no Rachel update this episode. I'm guessing, like you said, we probably won't see her until Delphine comes back. Come back, Delphine. Preferably with curls, but I'll take you with straightened hair, too. 
I think I might have finally calmed down. Okay. A little. Maybe. Did we have anything else we wanted to talk about? I will say this. I do enjoy Helena and her mind scorpion, Pupak. I do, too. I do, as well. There's there's potential for them to be a great comedy duo, I think. <laughs> Which I was not expecting. No, I wasn't either, but I like it. <laughs> I want it to happen now. <laughs> mangoes. Like for them Where to, are the mangoes? To tour? Or <laughs> that would be Helena good, too. and her mind scorpion. <laughs> The Mind Scorpion. <laughs> that would be an awesome kids show. Mm-hmm. It would. <laughs> awesome. Well, yeah. <laughs> Maybe not quite the right word. <laughs> but it was surprising how funny the, that scene was with, with Poopak this episode. Because last week they were so upsetting. Yeah. But mangoes. <laughs> Where are these mangoes? Stop making them angry. We won't get the mangoes. <laughs> oh, goodness. And we got to see Helena eat. Which is always a good time. I always like it when Helena eats. Was she just eating a salad? It looked like she was mostly shoving so. lettuce into her mouth. I think so, yeah. Okay. That's the healthiest thing we've ever seen Helena I eat, know. I think. I know. I agree. It oh, was... we saw her eat grapes once. Oh, that's true. Grapes and chicken. That wasn't too bad. But it was like fried chicken, I think, wasn't was it? Was it? I okay. don't know. Okay. Usually, though, she's shoving, shoving a lot of refined processed carbs into her face. Helena. <laughs> she has a mind scorpion. How do people not love her? <laughs> and then we've got some random thoughts here. I was surprised, like pleasantly surprised, that Felix hugged Cal goodbye. And I don't remember that happening, but that makes me happy that he did. You were probably distracted because it's also when... Sarah first goes to hug Kira. Okay. Okay. It's happening in the background. Like, Cal looks like he's ready to shake Felix's hand, and then Felix sort of pulls him into a hug. Aww. It's like, oh, that's nice, because Felix was so, I think, put off by Cal, or what Cal represented when they were first introduced, that it's nice, I thought, that Felix was like, bring it in for a hug, big guy. And hopefully that means, I'm hoping anyway, that since Kira trusts Cal and now we see Felix being friendly toward Cal, that even though we've learned this little bit of information about Cal, that that means he's still a good guy. (laughs) Yes, I am hopeful also, but but cautious, cautiously optimistic. Yes. Yes, like (laughs) we said. Always with the caution. We trust his intentions towards Sarah and Kira, but I now have another element of worry about Cal. Not unlike our feelings towards Mrs. S, really. Exactly. Exactly. But speaking of that whole goodbye scene, I was just thinking, if Kira goes to Iceland, how will Delphine use her stem cells to cure Cosima? I do not know. <laughs> well, because obviously, it, I mean, was- obviously they, they said in, the, in season two, I think Sarah says in the, in the final episode, I don't think they could do the stem cell treatment extraction. What is that called? Donation? Stem cell the bone marrow, the bone marrow donation, something like that. There anyway, you go. The bone marrow donation. That's what it was for another six months or so. Six weeks. Oh, six weeks. That's right. Six weeks. But clearly they weren't just going to ship them over for a couple of weeks. I mean, it's only been a few days. Right. So like maybe a week. So yeah, it's another five weeks at least. And maybe, maybe, who knows? Maybe Sarah is thinking that. They can get whatever it is sorted out in the next month. That's fair. That's fair. I could see Sarah thinking, because she did have a very determined, we're going to get this sorted out at the end of this episode, and we 
We all know that Sarah is very single-minded. So, <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, because that was my other question is how long do we think Kira and or Cal will be to, will be gone? I hope not that long. But I don't know. I would be surprised if they didn't come back by the end of this season, but when that would happen, when they would return, I'm entirely unsure. Right. In case listeners were were unaware, the previous content, the previous portion of the episode you just listened to, that was recorded the nights the episode aired, and then we usually wait a couple of days, let people send in feedback and record this feedback section, usually on Monday. And so it's been a couple of days since we saw the episode. And I really, I think I needed that time to kind of process the very upsetting scenes that were yes. in this week's episode. I didn't really want to talk about them on Saturday night. It was it was a little rough for me still. Again, I was literally crying. Yes. While, <laughs> During the episode and and also while recording a little bit. While we were joking, well, talking about stress crying in a joking manner, Chris was literally stress crying. She Tears were coming out of her eyes. It's true. So I think we needed to maybe take it a little lighter on Saturday night. But, but now I'm ready, I think, to talk about the disturbing scenes that were in this episode. I think it was Dan who tweeted us saying that this episode of Orphan Black basically needed all the content warnings ever. Yeah, something like that. More than more than any other Orphan Black episode to date, I believe is how he phrased it. So I guess this is our content warning here. We're going to be talking about the more upsetting scenes in this episode. So if you found those upsetting, you you are welcome to to skip ahead or or stop listening here because I I would understand. Yes. So let's start with our comment that we got from Greg about the waterboarding scene in this episode. Do you want to read that, Chris? Sure. Greg says, I think the only thing I didn't like is I'm starting to get a little tired of the, quote, torture porn, unquote, this show seems to be in love with. Yeah, we can joke about stress crying and what they are doing with Helena, but I thought the waterboarding scene was kind of taking it a little too far. And then Leanne agreed. Also on Facebook. <laughs> Let me start by saying, I think we, we all need to make our own judgment calls as to what type of violence we find upsetting. I'm not trying to say anybody shouldn't be upset by this scene. I think, in fact, that's the whole point of the scene is to be upsetting. But mm -hmm. I want to say I disagree with the characterization of that scene as torture porn. I agree, because I feel like they were trying to make it upsetting. Like, this is a thing that they're showing, and they're also... The implied part is, it, this is not okay. Right. This is a bad thing that they are doing, which, to me, the term torture porn goes against. Right? I think so. I mean, obviously, there's not... It's a term that's gotten thrown around, especially in the last few years, like maybe five years or so. And it generally talking about like the hostile movies and the Saw movies. And it doesn't have a uniform definition, really, but I, I feel like what people are talking about when they use that term, torture porn, is they're talking about pieces of entertainment where the brutal torture, dismemberment, maiming, and killing of people is the entire point of that piece of entertainment. It's how gross and disgusting and awful can we make these deaths. And right. I don't feel like that was the point of this scene. So I I would disagree with with calling it torture porn. I concur. 
So I'm I wasn't because they're showing us these things, but the whole point is like this is deeply disturbing. Right, right. It, you're not supposed to want to see it. Right. Yeah. But if you know, for as far as the judgment call of of taking it too far, I think that's for people to make their own assessments about. Like, I'm not going to try to oh, tell absolutely. anybody. Yeah. So if, if you find this upsetting and you know you don't want to watch that scene again, I completely understand. So I'm not trying to say like they weren't taking it too hard. But I, I I will say for me personally, while I wouldn't watch Hostel or Saw or any of those movies, I was for lack of a better word, I was okay with it here because I felt like it was serving a purpose in the point they're trying to make. Yes. Also, unfun fact, uh, I don't know if you saw this on on Tumblr, but um, the waterboarding scene, Yeah. apparently there's no way to fake waterboarding for film and television. I didn't think there was. Yeah, I didn't really think there was either. But yeah, it was actually... Like, Tatiana and her stunt double actually got waterboarded in that scene. Mm. They had, like, a medic on set, and so, you know, they were obviously keeping an eye on things and, and whatnot, but to to do it, quote-unquote, safely. Right. But- from, the, from the very first episode, sort of brief displays of really disturbing violence, as well as, because we're going to talk about this soon, just scenes of kind of ambiguous... It, somewhat unsettling sex scenes this has been part of orphan black dna since the first episode we think if you think to episode one we have when it comes to sex scenes we have that scene between sarah and paul and then we have where katya gets shot in the head at the end of the episode so it's been there since the beginning i i would i would always characterize orphan black as a show that is off sometimes upsetting and difficult to watch but you know i do think it's it's necessary and important to evaluate these scenes as they come and sort of think about them like why was the scene included so do you have thoughts on this about why they they thought it was important and necessary to include the scene of of helena being waterboarded i think it's one of those things like this is all the things that have happened in the show well within reason are things that actually happen or versions of things that actually happen Mm mm-hmm and so I think it's the show really trying to address it because that's the thing. The show does address it. It's not like these things just happen and, you know, nobody ever reacts to it or nothing nothing comes of it. Like that pretty much never happens. Things have consequences. I also think this season the big thing that they're tackling is the military and the military industrial industrial complex because right. we we have the episode titles as we mentioned earlier they're all coming from Dwight Eisenhower's farewell address which is talking warning about the rise of the military industrial complex and this caster project is situated in the US army Paul is a U- a soldier in the US army and this is a topic that has been extremely relevant and talked about within the last 10 years plus. And so I I think that's why they included it. They feel like if they're going to have this conversation about the military, the military industrial complex, they needed to address these really horrible interrogation tactics that have been used in recent years. Right. Which is a much better way of phrasing what I was more or less trying to say. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I got what you're saying, but I wanted to apply it specifically to the season as well. (laughs) Yes. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, I do. I do want to clarify something. We do joke a lot, but we do also take these things seriously. The the joking is sort of a way of coping, uh, especially for me. <laughs> right, right. I, I joke and I laugh. It, it's it's nervous laughter half the time, maybe more than half the time. <laughs> so definitely, yes. Waterboarding scene very disturbing. I I can't at this point say whether. I would call it too far or not. But for me personally, I, again, I feel like I have enough context here that I understand why they used it. So I'm not completely turned off by its inclusion, but we'll see once the season plays out. If I think, I don't know. Yeah. And it is one of those things that's happening to characters we care about. Right. Which in a weird way makes it sort of less gratuitous to me, just because like, Horrible things are happening to these characters, so it's sort of uh, you. Am I making any sense? (laughs) You know what I'm saying, right? I know what you're saying. I know what you're saying. Yeah, because I think again, that's sort of the line between torture porn and and using torture within a storytelling device. Is with the torture porn, it's often characters you don't care about. They're broadly drawn, and it's not about them anyway. It's just about the brutality. Whereas they very very clearly put a clone that we're sympathetic to the majority of the audience is very sympathetic to in this situation and we're supposed to react and be like oh my gosh this is horrible why are they doing this to helena stop 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 yes thank you yeah so the well we're talking about it second but the first upsetting scene in the episode was the the scene with rudy and seth and the young woman that they bring back to their hotel room and i did see somebody on twitter i won't i'm not going to say their name because they didn't this was just somebody I follow on Twitter. They didn't contact us directly, but saying that they were pretty much livid at Orphan Black for including a date rape scene at the beginning of the episode, and they had to stop watching for 45 minutes. And I got to say, like, I I have a lot of problems with that scene being included in the episode. I don't know how to feel about it. Because they, the thing is, I mean... I don't know that we needed to see as much as we saw. That's my thing. Okay. I feel like it was obviously revealing the relationship, the dynamic between Seth and Rudy, but I think it could have gotten to that without seeing nearly as much as we did. Would it have been as affecting to you if we didn't see as much as we saw? (sighs) I don't know. I'm inclined to dislike these guys anyway. And because we, cause we have also, when it comes to reading how we're supposed to feel about Seth and Rudy as characters, that there's that the third upsetting scene later on where Rudy is threatening violence against a child. So I don't know that we needed to see quite as much at the beginning to get to where we're supposed to feel about Rudy as a character. That's fair. I think we could have seen where they that creepy sequence where Rudy's like, turn around, I'll take off your coat. And then we see that it's Seth that's behind her. Mm-hmm. And then Rudy's back. I feel like that might have been enough, given that we hear kind of her account of what happened to her later when she's talking to Art. I see what you're saying, and I don't necessarily disagree. But at the same time, I'm wondering if the fact that we saw as much as we saw also makes us like, really, really align ourselves with her when she shows up later in the episode. 
You wouldn't have already? <laughs> no, I wouldn't. But <sighs> I don't know. To see the sequence of events exactly, I don't know. I don't know is what I'm saying. I Yeah. I would have been on her side, but it, like I, I have like this sense of rage about it that I don't right. know that I would have necessarily. I, I don't know that it would be as visceral as it is. Does that make sense? Yeah, I guess. But no, I'm I'm not saying that they definitely should have included it. I'm not saying that at all. Uh-huh. But I don't know at the same time how it would have necessarily affected perception if they hadn't done it that way. Yeah. I was thinking about it, and the sex scene actually now is reminding me of the first one we see between Sarah and Paul mm-hmm. in the first episode. I'm pretty sure it's meant to. They, I don't know if you, well, you said you don't follow Orphan Black on Twitter because they, I don't. they tweet spoil spoilery me. things. But <laughs> they do. This week they've been tweeting things that have like paralleled scenes mm-hmm. where they'll show, they, they had one earlier, I think it was today, with... Sarah hovering over Rachel with the gun from the right. season two premiere mm-hmm. next to Rudy hovering over Seth. Seth. Mm-hmm. And there was one with, I think, I don't know, one of the, one of the caster clones with the little headset on next to one of Helena with the headset on. So it might be deliberate that it's reminding you of that. I'm sorry, continue. Well, I was just, that was my main point, I think. It, and it's weird to me that those are sort of the most naked sex, sex scenes. Mm-hmm. Or some of the most naked, I guess, sex scenes that we've gotten on the show. Yeah. Right. And fairly explicit. Yes. As far as Orphan Black goes. Yes. All of the explicit scenes, it seems like, or the more explicit scenes, tend to be really, really disturbing. Because I'm also thinking of the one between Rachel Rachel and Paul. Paul. Mm -hmm. So I feel like this, the sex scene in this episode, I would put (laughs) a label of uh, taking it too far for me. On, on that sex scene, personally. That's fair. But as far as why they... And again, it's kind of like, why are they including this? And and I feel like they include it mainly because of what we hear Patty say to Art later in the episode. Okay. Because... And we, we had a, a email from Davia slash Davia. We never remember how to say your name. Please let us know. <laughs> We're very sorry. <laughs> We're very sorry. Uh, uh, she commented, The saddest scene for me this episode was Patty saying nothing would be done to Rudy and Seth while speaking to Sarah and Art. It's completely unfair that nothing will be done. And we've talked on the show before how I feel like the uh, the show is making a lot of – it's a commentary on women and women's bodies and how women are respected or not in sort of the public sphere. And so I, I do think that that's potentially why they included this is – to make a comment about the fact that there's often not justice for people who are sexually assaulted, particularly right. women who are sexually assaulted. Right. I guess that's what I'm trying to say about the the sex scene itself is it is disturbing. And I wonder if that's why they include it. Because that's not usually how those things are portrayed in popular media, right? Mm-hmm. It's all supposed to be sexy and whatnot. But the fact that the most oftentimes we see these more explicit sex scenes, it's, it's, they're disturbing. Yes. That's sort of their point is things are not as they should be. I don't know. Just a thought. So as for the third disturbing scene, I don't have a lot to say about it besides the fact that it was, it's just threatening violence to children. is just really upsetting. 
Indeed. Because even though we've we've had Kira sort of in danger before, it was never to this extent where she has a gun pointed at her. Right. Never quite so immediate and explicit. Right. I guess. Because we had in season one where Helena was taking her away from Sarah. And there I felt like Kira wouldn't probably be harmed. But you still had the sense of... At least not by Helena. At least not by Helena. But you still had the sense of, oh, no, what's going to happen to Kira? And then in last season when Rachel kidnapped her, I again, I, I felt fairly fairly certain that they weren't going to harm Kira, but it was still a sense of, oh, no, somebody who shouldn't have Kira has Kira. Right. But this was just so... Ugh. It was, it was really... It was really tough. It is. Which, again, it's it's this whole... Thing where the show it does take things too far you know what i mean it takes things too far but it does it very intentionally and in ways that it's obviously not right i don't know well and i will say that if nothing else those intercut scenes with seth and cal at the bottom of the stairs in felix's apartment building and the scenes with rudy sarah and kira that intercutting was some of the most tension racketing up, making me nervous TV that I've seen in a really long time. So it was done very skillfully. Effectively. Yes, it was effective. And I I'm, I guess maybe the writers felt like this was, it had to come to this to get Sarah to sort of send Kira out of harm's way, maybe? I don't know. Or to get get Sarah, Sarah, like, ratcheted up to really deal with the situation in a more permanent way? I'd say that's fair. Mm. That's a, a fair um, assessment of the situation. So that's that's my thought on that. But I don't, have a, I don't have a ton more to say about that scene. Did you have any other thoughts you wanted to talk about in regards to that one? I don't think so. Other than, like, if you wanted us to really, really hate Rudy, good job. And then we got an email from Francie. She says, It's unbelievable how this show switches between happy land and creepy nightmare. No kidding, Francie. Normally, I'm a silent and internal screaming viewer, but this time I couldn't stop yelling at my TV. The opening scene was so, so gross. When they waterboarded Helena, I yelled, Kill them, Helena! Kill them all! And during the scene with Rudy and Kira, Seth and Cal, and then Rudy, Seth, and Cal, I thought, that's it. Cal won't survive. Stephanie actually, like, whispered at the TV, Please don't kill Cal! Yeah, I did. <laughs> oh, please don't kill Cal. I thought he was toast when he walked in there. I was so worried. And worried for Kira. I was just worried the entire time. Like I said, riveting television, but very upsetting. Yes. Well, and the thing, too, I don't think we talked about this before, but there's the scene earlier in the episode, like right after they're playing hockey in the living room, mm -hmm. and Sarah has to leave, and so she kisses Cal yeah. And there's that music that plays. And then it like the music takes this weird musical turn where it like goes into a minor key. Mm. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, no. Oh, no. So it's like, it's like <laughs> mid kissing scene. And I'm just like, no, like sense of dread. <laughs> and I think that's when I was like, please don't kill Cal. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mm. 
we got an email from Erin and her comment about some of the upsetting things we were just talking about. She said, I did not like the cast or clones at the start of this episode. From their actions with the girls to the physical abuse of each other, they were just creepy. I get that's how siblings interact at times, but I still didn't enjoy the moment. Yeah, I don't think you were supposed to. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. Uh. But let's transition out of talking about the super upsetting stuff. Please. <laughs> we got the same question from several people. Francie, Jacqueline, and Davia slash Davia all were asking about the glitching that we see Seth do. And they were wondering if mental illness was was to the caster clones like the infertility illness is to the respiratory illness is to the Lita clones. And I I think definitely there that's going to be a plot point in the future. Though I will say that we've seen, and I think even Leaky said there was a tendency for mental illness in the Lita clones as well. Something like that, yeah. Yeah. Which we do see, that there are various occurrences of that. But yeah, I mean, I, I do think that there's a very clear paralleling between the caster clones with this glitching that Seth does and and the respiratory illness of the Lita clones. I did see an interesting comment on Tumblr. I think it was our friend Dawson had reblogged this this comment like a text post that was um commenting on the fact that, you know, if a Lita clone gets sick, all the sisters like band together to help her. But here, you know, a caster clone has some sort of problem and he gets shot in the chest by another caster clone. So, and then Dawson had sort of commented that it was sort of commentary on the way or the differences between men helping each other and women helping each other or not helping each other. Right. We got a question from Davia slash Davia also about this, wondering if Rudy shot Seth because he was trying to show Seth mercy, I think is what she is implying, or if he was trying to protect the caster program. I got the impression it was a mercy killing. Did you, what was your thoughts on that one? I would think so. I mean, he did with the whole, you know, I love you. It did seem like it was more out of mercy, because we don't know what the follow through on that was going to be either. Like, who knows what caster project would have done to him if they realized that this was a problem that he was having. Right. Because they seemed very concerned when Paul came over that, like, oh, no, he just he, he had too much to drink last night. Like, he was trying to cover for it. So, yeah, yeah, it, it does make you wonder if it's what happens if they do start to glitch. Yeah, I'm inclined to agree. I think I think it was a mercy killing. I mean, he stayed with him until he died. He said that he loved him. And and I like the the point of this pointed difference between how the the caster clones are dealing with this illness in in their faction versus how the the Lady clones have reacted to the respiratory illness. Yep. This was a stressful episode. <laughs> it was such a stressful episode. It was such a stressful episode. Oh, so Caster Clone Project related. We got an email from Jacqueline, and she was wondering if the the cigarette smoking lady, Dr. What was her name again? Dr. Virginia. Cody. Cody. If that was an X-Files reference. And as an X-Files fan, Chris, do you have a thought? Opinion? Not really. <laughs> that did sort of, like, it vaguely crossed my mind. Like, oh, a conspiracy with a, with a cigarette smoking person in charge. Hmm. But no, I mean, I don't, I don't know. I have so many questions about her. 
the X-File, the possible ref- X-Files reference crossed my mind too, but we'll have to, we'll have to see. We'll have to see. And yeah, I have a lot of questions about her too. Ooh, there's, I'm about to spoil X-Files things for those who are maybe in the midst of watching X-Files. Don't listen for the next 15 seconds. They do call her mother, and there was the whole thing about maybe cigarette smoking man is Fox Mulder's dad. Oh, that's right. Yeah. I'd forgotten about that. There you go. So shall we move on to happier topics? Yes. (laughs) Let me think about that for, yes. Yes. (laughs) We got a voicemail from Lisa. Thank you so much for sending this voicemail. Hi, Chris and Stephanie. It's Lisa. I've been listening to your podcast for a while, and I love it because I've been really confused this season. And um, I kind of look to you guys to unconfuse me. But a couple quick thoughts about um, last night's episode and your episode. Um, I don't really see Scott and Felix getting together because I sort of picture Scott and his friends as all being straight, but sort of in a non-sexual way, kind of awkwardly straight. Um, maybe that's just me, but, um, and the other thing I wanted to mention was when, um, Kira was getting ready to leave with Cal to go to Iceland and, and, um, Sarah was, you know, saying goodbye. I had a thought pop into my head that she'd be saying, um, you know, don't worry. You know, I know it's Iceland and it's cold, but everything will be fine. And I realized, wait, they're from Canada. So Iceland is probably a step up in the warmth department. (laughs) Um, really love the podcast. Keep up the good work. And I can't wait for the next episode. Bye. And Fem also commented that she's impressed with Stephanie's crack shipping ability. Okay. 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 Can I just say, I was kidding. I was mostly <laughs> kidding. <laughs> mostly. Mostly. Well. But isn't that what crack shipping is? Is it? I don't know. Most of the people I know who are really into some sort of weird pairing or not weird but you know unusual off the wall type of pairing they tend to take it pretty seriously but i mean the fact that it's referred to as crack shipping means that you know it's not likely to happen that's fair that's fair but i was i was mostly kidding i i mostly don't well okay mostly because i'm teasing if scott and felix are into it i say go for it i'm for it but i agree with lisa i feel like most likely Scott is is into the ladies from what we've seen. He he's he's attracted to women. He was like, and, "Ooh, Kasima. Ooh, Delphine is also attractive." Oh. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I don't have a chance. <laughs> the attractive ladies are attracted to each other. Darn it. Poor Scott. But I just I just really like that way that Scott responded to Felix. <laughs> it was just so adorable and geeky. It was I cute it. and awkward. It was. I date Scott. <laughs> He's so cute. Oh, he's so cute. He's so cute. And speaking of Scott, we got a tweet from Edith saying, Loved Kasima and Scott. Yay, Ramon. Yay, Ramon. <laughs> Still crying for Kira and dead Seth. What, no Delphine or creepy Ferdinand? I want mangoes. <laughs> and I just love how all over the place that tweet is. <laughs> I asked for feedback and that's what Edith sent. <laughs> it's like, I like it. There's an encapsulation of our short episode, I feel like. Yeah, I think so, too. In 140 characters or less. (laughs) Oh, we also got got tweets from Megan saying, Ramon, I bet Stephanie is happy. (laughs) (laughs) To which we replied, yes. Yes, she is. (laughs) Mostly I was kind of thinking, do you really need to ask? (laughs) 
Mm-hmm. Seriously. Though I will say, I almost didn't recognize that actor. His hair is a little bit different, but it really changed his face, the way his face looks to me. He looks younger to me. He does, season. doesn't he? And I think what it is, because he was, he was at work when we saw him last season. Right. So, he, like, his hair was combed and he was wearing a polo shirt, you know. Right. It makes a little bit of a difference. He he did look way more like a high school student here than he did the last time we saw him. Right. And I love his ridiculous, ridiculous car. <laughs> Every time my dad sees a car that color, he's like, he's like, ah, oh, I would. That's about the last color I'd ever get a car. <laughs> we recently rewatched an old episode of Lost Girl, and and it had like one this guy who had this car. It was like this metallic orange sports car, and I know Ramon's car is green, but I was reminded when when I saw it of that episode because in it, his brother says to him, "Could you drive a car that makes you look like more of an asshole?" <laughs> And I don't know, that Ramon's car just kind of reminded me of a of that. Hmm. Though I don't think Ramon is necessarily an asshole, but it, it's just kind of, I don't know, for some reason I was just reminded of that line, which makes me laugh. Okay. <laughs> My brain is strange. My brain is a strange place, Chris. Don't judge me. Well, you saw both things the same day, which maybe would. Oh, that's a good point. Help you draw connections between the two. That's a good point. I also wanted to mention that both Dan and Sally were disappointed that we didn't mention Fist Me in our short episode. I apologize. We talked about it plenty earlier, though, so hopefully that fulfilled your fisting needs. (laughs) I had to say it. I had to say it. (laughs) Damn it, Stephanie. (laughs) And then we got some feedback on episode 301 and our comments about it. We got this voicemail from Kat. Hey, Chris and Stephanie, this is Kat from Cape Town calling. I just want to say I love your podcast. I haven't really listened to all the episodes yet, but I'm so excited to watch Off in Black and then listen to your podcast and just process it all this season. Um, I've got to say I was quite surprised that um, Stephanie wasn't fangirling over Delphine, but Chris, I'm right there with you. I loved... Uh, Delphine's transformation and I know it was it did seem quite fast but with only 10 episodes I thought that her physical sort of change or transformation kind of told a bit of the story where you know we didn't really get any on-screen scenes or explanations about it but um, I thought it was amazing I really loved her her scene with Rachel, the torture scene, I mean, that was incredible. It was such an exciting new side to Delphine. I'm so ready for this season to be the season of badass Delphine. And um, yeah, it's it seems like it's going to be an exciting season. I really loved this first episode. Um, <laughs> uh, was it Allison as um, Sarah was just so funny. Um yeah, and I gotta say that Delphine can put her finger in my eye any day. Bye, guys. Thank you, Kat, for this voicemail. Your final comment about Delphine putting her finger in your eye any day made me chuckle quite a bit. <laughs> I don't know how to take that, Kat. <laughs> I'm a little concerned, but uh, to each their own. <laughs> It seems painful to me, is all I'm saying. 
That is I try not, not to I judge. Spend Chris. my time with Delphine. What? I try not to judge, Chris. Try not to judge. Okay. You know? <laughs> I, I'm saying to each their own. Speaking of Delphine, we also got an email from Tom, and he mentioned since Delphine is now replacing Leaky and Rachel, shouldn't the monitors be reporting to her? I would presume so. Therefore, she should know how many sisters there are in North America, assuming there is a European office of Dyad to oversee the clones there. And Tom did send this to us, I think, a few hours before episode 302 aired. And in 302, we found out that she's not actually taking Leaky's place. She is taking Rachel's place, and Dr. Nealon is taking Leaky's place. So it sounds like they're going to report to Dr. Nealon, and who knows how willing to share information Dr. Nealon is. Though I'm curious if the whole monitoring aspect of the storyline will factor in very much anymore, because all of our our main character clones are self-aware and they know who their monitors are and or slash were. So I, I'm curious if that will even be a thing anymore. I don't know, because the, we, we do know that there are other clones still out there, though. Correct. And yeah. so they will still probably be monitored. And given that Tom's question is about knowing how many clones there are, uh, I don't know. I don't know the answer to your question, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, I mean, you would think that that in her new power place, she would have this information. But I don't know. Maybe she had it before? I don't know. I don't know. I'm not aware of how much information Delphine has overall, and I'm not sure how much of that information she's sharing. And then, finally, we got a voicemail from Allison. Not that Allison. Different Allison. We assume. We assume. Hi, this is Allison at Blue Midnight 7-8. And I am very confused about Helsinki, as I'm sure many people are. At the beginning of 301, they said that Rachel did not know about Helsinki, but then Delphine was able to torture that information out of her. So obviously she did know about it. So what gives? Trying to figure out why they said she didn't know about it if she actually did, if that's more conspiracy or an inconsistency, help. Okay, hopefully hopefully I can clarify this. But in regards to Helsinki, Dr. Nealon does say toward the beginning of the episode that Rachel doesn't know about it. But then we learn later that she did. And so I don't think it was an inconsistency it was the fact that or ah i have no reason to believe that dr neelan did know that she knew right so i think he was just telling delphine the truth as he knew it right well i was i should have i phrased it badly delphine when she is about to poke rachel in the eye she says to her oh you wicked sister you're not supposed to know about helsinki so Rachel had information that she wasn't supposed to have. So I think the point behind that, the fact that at the beginning we're told, oh, she doesn't know about it, but then later we found out she did, was to suggest that Rachel was really up to some evil machinations that we didn't know until that episode. Right, because she seemed to be, well, we knew she was like in cahoots with Ferdinand, and uh, we know Ferdinand's not exactly the most by-the-book kind of guy. Did you notice that Ferdinand had a wedding ring on? Oh, no, I didn't. I didn't. Good eye. He did. Good eye. I noticed it when his hand was on 
Sarah as Rachel's leg. And then I was like, oh, I see how it is, Ferdinand. I don't think, therefore, I don't think that it was a writing inconsistency. I think it was an intentional twist where we find out that Rachel knew information that she wasn't supposed to know. Right. Thank you so much to everyone who sent us feedback about with their thoughts about both 301 and 302. We would love to hear your thoughts. And by the way, we, we always love to get feedback in any form. I know I was kind of teasing last week about the, the voicemails and stuff. And while those are great, we, we do really love those. We always like to get feedback, however you want to send it. She was teasing, but she meant it. <laughs> <laughs> Please do send voicemails. But but if you if you can't or don't want to, we, we understand. It's fine. Yes, it's fine. Well, we will. It might actually be a good challenge for us to develop our reading skills if you send us emails. <laughs> no. <laughs> but please send us your emails to feedback at tatianaiseveryone.com. You can also leave a comment over on the show notes for this episode, tatianaiseveryone.com slash 66. You can also send us a voice message by clicking on the Send Voicemail tab on the right-hand side of our website or calling our listener voicemail line at 972-514-7223. We are on Twitter at TIE Podcast, and we're also on Facebook. And in this episode, the Mangoes were played by Tatiana Mazzani. Thanks for listening. 